the Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. of the Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who, well, he just wants to sing. Welcome, Jacob. Now you have to fight a ball. Yikes! Why, thank you. Let me introduce our co-host. A man who... Uh, why did you take that medal from that shady dude? Why? <laughs> Welcome, Drew. I like the color green, apparently. I mean, yeah, according to Disney, it's the color of evil, but that's what the Disney film, I thought I was good. <laughs> you thought wrong, my friend, wrong! <laughs> well, technically, I was fine. Nobody actually got in trouble for that. Yeah. And everything came out fine in the wash. I mean, nobody was even, well, except for that one dude, but he didn't come into the last act anyway, and nobody cared. But he was reviled, or reviled and revealed, revered, revered. Am I saying that right? Yes, but that's revered. just because he wanted the medal. Yeah. Technically, that's not my fault. It's the other guy's fault for having it. Okay, there's. We're, we have. I have some complaints later on. We'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Let's so I don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh wow. You want to be story? This is going to be interesting. Let's go ahead and just jump into the spoiler-free section. Why yes. don't we? Certified fresh and spoiler-free. This is my first viewing of this film. Okay. I I don't know why, but when this was coming well, I know why. This came out the same year Coco did. Yes, it did. And Pixar, I'm sorry, is going to trump the same studio that brought us Norm of the North you're later on. You're not kidding. <laughs> I did not realize this was the same studio uh, that, that made this film until about, you know, several minutes into it. And I see the real effects logo. I went, oh, crap. Is this, are we, do we do this a month late? Is this, a, is this wor bad, bad, worse than I think it's going to be? Thankfully not. Yeah, true. But I did find out one, inter one interesting thing. That company's from Dallas. Really? Yeah. Huh. So that's close to us. Yeah. So that's interesting. To our ballpark. Exactly. But uh, yeah, I had not seen this before. I can tell you that to some degree, part of the reason is the art style initially threw me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because I couldn't make out what I was looking at, if that makes sense. Fair. I just thought, wow, this is a really weird art style for agreed, this. Agreed, agreed. Uh, but I don't know. This was a, a rather decent film. It's not my favorite. I think Coco still beats it. But yeah, I for, Coco is especially when, you, when you're talking about, you know, Day of the Dead movies, which mm -hmm. there's not that many of. No, there's but, not. But uh, for animated Day of the Dead movies, this I think Coco trumps this one. But for, for what this is, it's not bad. No, it's a fairly decent film. And I can understand why people would like it. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? Uh, this is my second viewing. Uh, I picked this movie up at a Walmart Black Friday deal when they did those things. Back in, I want to say 20, maybe 2021. Mm -hmm. uh, so I watched, I mean, like, I didn't watch it until. Wait, you didn't even have no, it in 2020. No, when you were supposed to no, 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 no. My mistake. My mistake. That, my that's mistake. A, that's a fun fact, folks. We didn't say this. We said this in the pre-show, but I'll bring it up here. 
we were actually supposed to review this back in 2020. That is true. That is true. Well, let me it's... let me let me rephrase what I was trying to say Sorry. before. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I had picked this up probably 2019, 2020. Um could I have picked up in 2020 during the COVID? No, you'd have to have picked it up in 2019. Yeah, this has been in 2019. This you are I knew I I think I remembered you saying you had this. Yes, I did. So it would at least have to be 2019 at the latest. Yeah, it was 2019. It I have was no 20... doubt you picked it up at a Black Friday thing. I, yeah. mean, I know they were still doing it then. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, we're like, good luck trying to find a film on I mean, Black COVID, Friday. COVID killed a lot of things. That is true. Um, things got killed and used COVID as an excuse for that killing. True. But either way. Anyways, uh, so I watched this movie during a marathon of films trying to watch 100 films in a year mm-hmm. that I had picked up on a challenge. Be like, you know what? This sounds like a good idea. Your br- it was your brother's challenge. Yeah, it was my brother's challenge, and I thought it was a very good idea. And be like, now we're I- in the middle of another of your brother's challenges for twice as many. And considering yeah. I didn't win the hundred, I doubt I'm going to make the two hundred. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be like, I have a ton of films I still need to watch, and I get distracted very easily. So this is going to be an interesting challenge. Either or. Uh, so I remember watching this for the challenge, and uh, kind of be like enjoying it but it's almost forgetful kind of a film mm-hmm. and on the second view it's, it's got a bit of cotton candiness to it it if does you, if you remember my description of that from background uh, trolls yes uh so i watched it again for this for the review here and it's still got more of the like you said more of that cotton candy kind of feel of a film mm-hmm. uh in your mouth even though you don't dislike it and yeah, true very true uh overall it's it's a it's a it's a well done film. I would not say it's one of those films that you absolutely have to go watch, but I would uh, I would recommend going watching it because it is uh, produced by Guillermo del Toro, mm-hmm. which who's a my neighbor Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> right. Um, we didn't plan a no. del Toro movie right before Miyazaki. <laughs> yes, <laughs> intentionally. No, but. It is enjoyable. It is a very credible film. It was very well done kind of film. Uh, it does have its flaws like any other film, but uh, overall, it is recommendable. Uh, it's just not one of my favorites. And I probably, if we have to go back and review this film at some point, I will. But it's not. I'm not going to put this on rewind. I'm not going to put this on a, a rewatch uh, a, list. A rewatch list. Yes. Okay. So why don't we go, go ahead and get into the spoiler-filled section, then why yes. don't we? The following is a spoiler-filled review for the film The Book of Life. Listener discretion is advised. The Book of Life was written and directed by, I'm assuming it's Jorge? Jorge. Since it's, since it's uh, Hispanic? Yeah, Jorge. But Jorge R. Gutierrez. Mm-hmm. And it was also written by Doug Landell. And as you said, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that it was produced by Guillermo del Toro. Yes. Cast includes Diego Luna as Manolo, who played Cassian Andor in Rogue One. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And in the Andor television show. Okay. Gotcha. Disney Plus. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Zoe Saldana as Mm -hmm. Maria. And of course, she's Gamora in the MCU. Mm -hmm. And uh uhura in the abrams verse star trek films Mm -hmm. and she is the female blue smurf on um (laughs) avatar avatar (laughs) 
I forgot. I don't know. I don't know her name. I don't even remember what that race is called. That's, I, that's literally why I went the female blue smurf. <laughs> female blue smurf. Clip that. <laughs> Channing Tatum as Joaquin. And he was Superman in the Lego Batman movie. Yes, he was. Ron Perlman as Zabalba. Mm-hmm. And he was Hellboy. In Hellboy. Yeah, and a lot of other really, really good and films. Pretty much any film in which there is a rather tall, strong man wearing prosthetic makeup, it's probably Ron Perlman. Yeah, in some capacity. Many cases. Many cases. Uh, Christina Applegate played Mary Beth, mm-hmm. the tour guide. Mm-hmm. And she was Kelly Bundy in Married with Children. Really? Yeah. Huh. Ice Cube played the candle maker. And he was Superfly in Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles, Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Which we recently did a reaction to, so go mm-hmm. check that out. Kate Del Castillo played La Muerta. And I had a hard time finding Amer- uh, English stuff that she's been in besides this film. Yes. So I'd go with one of her, what look, well, I'm assuming must be a, uh, a Mexican soap opera. Okay. She played a character named Teresa Menorca in... La Reina del Sur, and she had a lot of that. She was in a lot of those episodes. Wow. According to IMDb. Gotcha. For what that's worth. Hector Elizondo played Carlos Sanchez, and he was the character Joe in The Princess Diaries. Ah. The uh, one that's that's helping, uh, what is her name, that plays the main girl in that? In what? Princess Diaries. Oh. oh, now I'm totally. She, she's not uh, Kira Knightley or Padme Amidala. <laughs> oh, but she's in that trifecta of girls that I can't, that were pop that became popular around the same time, and I confused the ball. <laughs> uh, Kara, there's Kara Knightley. Kara Knightley. There's a uh, Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. Thank you. And uh, what is this one's name? <laughs> I. It's, Oh my gosh! I'm, 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 Either way, yes. Her and uh, Mary Poppins that plays her aunt or her, her grandma. Yeah, it's their oh guy. Oh oh uh, oh crap! Now you, Joe. Yeah, okay. His name is Joe in that movie. Oh okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Last now, but I'm, now I'm just I'm now I'm curious. Continue. Go ahead. Continue. Dan Navarro played Chakal, our villain in this, mm. and. He played Viking leader Sven in Playmobil the movie. I had a hard time finding stuff for him, too. So when I saw that, I thought, okay, I'll go with Playmobil the movie. It was bad from my understanding. But I gotcha. Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Thank you. I couldn't remember Anne Hathaway. Julia Andrews. Julia Andrews is the one I feel worse for. But moving on. I want you to guess how many Kingdom Hearts connections we have. Oh, uh, let's see. This movie came Even out. Even though I may have accidentally given it away in the pre-show. Somewhat. It came out in 2014. Uh, I would probably, it's got, you said four earlier. Yeah. You said four. I'm gonna it get, is four. Okay. Fun fact. Fun fact. Because <laughs> I screwed that up. <laughs> you gave me a context to cling on to. You gave me a bone to chew on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Cheech Marin, aka the Cheech of Cheech and Chong, mm-hmm. in this movie played Pancho Rodriguez, one of the uh, uh, musicians. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, 
of course, in Kingdom Hearts, he was Bonsai. Bonsai! Specifically, Kingdom Hearts 2, where the hyena showed up. Oh, okay. Oh, Carlo, that Bonsai! Yeah, that Bonsai. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Carlos Alazarqui, probably saying that name wrong, he uh, plays General Posada, a.k.a. Maria's dad. Yeah. And Dolly. And Chewy, a.k.a. the pig in this movie. Oh, I think you're... Yeah. Chewy. And he was Mike Wazowski in Kingdom Hearts. Mm. So we brought him up recently. Mike Wazowski! Randy Crenshaw was the singing voice in this for Skeleton Jorge. Oh, okay. The uh, one that wanted to be an opera singer? Yes. And he was additional voices in Kingdom Hearts. And this one's a fun one. Hmm. Eva Bella. Okay. She was, a, she was additional voices in this. However, due to uh, the rushed nature of the Kingdom Hearts 3 level in Kingdom Hearts 3 okay. of Frozen, she gets to reappear as the uh, archive audio of young Elsa. Oh. In Kingdom Hearts. Nice. And I say that because... Uh, the frozen level of Kingdom Hearts was very obviously not the original idea for that oh, level. Okay. And Disney probably said, we can't do that. Except it would have been so much better. Either way, that's <laughs> the end of my Kingdom Hearts connections. What do we got in info and stuff? All right, so info and stuff. Uh, IMDb, it is a 7.2 out of 10. For watching available, it's available on Max. <laughs> As Drew uh, fixes my microphone, thank you very much. Uh, Just making sure they can hear you. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, production was 20th Century Fox Animation, now 20th, 20th Century Studios Animation. Mm -hmm. If it still exists at all, I don't know. 20th Century Studios does exist, but 20th okay. Century Animation, yeah, or 20th Century Fox Animation, as they called it, yeah, doesn't. Okay, that's what it I got merged into one of the Walt Disney Animation Studios. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. That's um, why we no longer have Blue Sky. Yeah. Uh, Real FX Animation Studios and Chatron. Am I pronouncing them right? Uh, distributed by 20th Century Fox, now 20th, 20th Century Studios. Release date uh, October 17th, 2014. Now, going into the box office, it had an estimated budget of $50 million. It's US, US and Canada opening weekend was, if I'm reading this right, 17 $17 million on October 19th, 2014. Its U.S. gross in Canada was $50.1 million. And its uh, international gross was $99.7 million. Home release for this film, The Book of Life was released on DVD, Blu-ray, and Blu-ray 3D back in the day when that was a thing. On January 27, 2015, by 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment, the special edition included a three-minute short animated feature uh, entitled The Adventures of Chewie, not considered not to be confused with a uh, Wookiee a Wookie, <laughs> or yeah, a, a co-pilot of the Millennium Falcon. Yes, the bacon-turned pet. The Bacon Turned Pet. That's a good one. The film currently is streaming on Disney Plus. Oh, okay. I had to re. I, had to, I, yeah, I was it, like, wait, 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 wait. Be like, it's no longer. It's no longer there. As far as I understand, it was at one point. Yes, but it's fallen off because there were uh, 
probably contract deals with with uh, HBO. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, the film uh, was on Disney Plus on February 2021, but is currently on Max. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sequels. There actually was uh, talks and ideas of doing um, sequels. What would it be called? The Book of Death. No, <laughs> no. All right. So you might need to help me with pronunciations. Says I am terrible with pronunciations. Director the 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 uh, the director of this film, uh, Jorge R. Gutierrez. Thank you. Revealed in an interview that one of the ideas for the next chapters in the story involved Joaquin and his relationship with his father. To quote, I had imagine I had always imagined the first film being about Menlor. Am I saying that right? Uh, Manolo. Manolo. About being Manolo. The second film being about Joaquin. And the third film being about Maria. I, I've i always considered it as a trilogy. In January, in June 2017. Gutierrez? Am I saying that right? Gutierrez. Gutierrez. Thank you. Gutierrez. I'm assuming I'm pronouncing Gutierrez correctly. Yeah, Gutierrez. Admittedly, I'm basing it off of a character in Freakazoid that was played by Ricardo Montalban. Ah. Uh. Who they called him Gutierrez Gutierrez. instead of Khan. Oh, okay. Because he was basically Khan. Gotcha. (laughs) Gutierrez and Real FX Animation announced the development on a sequel that began, however, as as of June 2019, Gutierrez uh, um, clarified on Twitter, now X, that there is currently no plans for a sequel. So that's all I have for an info and stuff. All right. Jumping into the summary, Mary Beth, a museum tour guide, takes a group of school detention students on a secret museum tour, telling them the story of a Mexican town called San Angel Mm -hmm. from the Book of Life, which holds every story in the world. On the Day of the Dead, La Muerta, ruler of the Land of the Remembered, and Zibalba, ruler of the Land of the Forgotten, sees children Manolo Sanchez and Joaquin Mondragon competing for the love of Maria Posada. And if I mispronounced any of those names incorrectly, my apologies. <laughs> they strike a wager. If Maria ends up marrying Manolo, Zabalba will no longer interfere in mortal affairs. But if she marries Joaquin, La Muerta and La- Zabalba will switch realms. However, Zabalba cheats by giving Joaquin the Medal of Everlasting Life, which grants the wearer invincibility. Maria is sent to Spain to become a lady after freeing pigs destined for slaughter. Years later, when Maria returns to San Angel, Joaquin has become a military hero with the medal's aid, and Manolo's father has trained him trained him as a bullfighter in their family tradition, mm. though his real dream is to be a musician. That sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah, but a lot of parallels. Change out them. bullfighter for shoemaker. Mm. But anyway, that's yeah. beside the point. And this was unintentional, too. Yeah, unintentional. No, really, it probably was. Probably, I, I agree with you. It probably was intentional. Unintentional. Yeah. At Manolo's first bullfight, he defeats the bull but refuses to kill it, angering Carlos and the crowd but impressing Maria. That night, Maria is pressured by her father and San Angel's mayor, General Ramiro Posada, to marry Joaquin so he stays in San Angel and therefore protects the town from the bandit King Chacal. Mm-hmm. But Maria is reluctant. She instead professes her mutual love for Manolo before dawn, but they are interrupted when Zabalba sends his dual-headed snake staff, which bites her and sends her into a coma. 
Devastated by Maria's apparent death, Manolo allows Zabalba to kill him, believing he will be reunited with Maria in death. In the land of the remembered, Manolo reunites with his mother and his ancestral family. They travel to La Muerta's castle, discovering Zabalba, now the ruler of the realm, who explains hmm. the bet and smugly reveals that Maria didn't die because she was only bitten once and therefore survived. However, Manolo was bitten twice and died. Furious but determined to return to Maria, Manolo travels to the Cave of Souls to reach La Muerta. Inside, he meets the Candlemaker, the Overseer of Mortal Lives, and the Book of Life's Keeper. The Candlemaker sees that Manolo's story in the Book of Life is blank and can be rewritten by himself, so he takes them to the Land of the Forgotten. They find La Muerta at Zabalba's castle and expose his cheating. Furious, La Muerta le lectures Zabalba before offering a new wager at Manolo's request. Manolo's life will be returned if he competes a challenge, completes a challenge mm. of Zabalba's choosing. But if he fails, he will be forgotten and Zabalba will keep both realms. Zabalba sets Manolo against a giant bull skeleton made from the skeletons of every bull slain by the Sanchez family, believing that that to be his greatest fear. Meanwhile, Maria awakens from her coma, learning of Manolo's death and reluctantly accepts Joaquin's proposal. The wedding is interrupted by Chacal, who leads his army to San Angel to find the medal which was previously his. Chacal kills Carlos, who arrives in the land of the remembered, in time to see Manolo's fight. Manolo, realizing his fear is, ac is actually of being himself, refuses to fight and instead sings an apology to the bull, appeasing it and touching the hearts of everyone present, including Zabalba and Carlos. Mm. Impressed, the deities resurrect Manolo and send him and his family to San Angel to protect the town. Manolo is knocked unconscious when Chacal destructs himself, but is protected by the metal which Joaquin had slapped, slipped him earlier. Joaquin returns it to Zabalba. Zabalba. I keep wanting to say Zabalba from Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Pardon me. And resolves to be a true hero. While Manolo and Maria are happily married as, as Zabalba and Lamuerta reconcile. In the present, Mary Beth finishes the story and the amazed children leave the museum. Mary Beth and a security card reveal themselves to be, be Lamuerta and Zabalba in disguise. The Candlemaker appears and encourages the audience to write their own story. Mm. getting the into end. the trivia for this one diego luna does the dialogue for both the english and spanish dubbing versions of the film impressive zabalba is the name of the mayan underworld the swirl in manolo's hair is a tribute to the swirled hill from the nightmare before christmas oh okay. one of jorge r gutierrez's favorite films nice in the spanish dubbing of the movie la muerta is called La Catarina. Hmm. This is obviously Posada's Katrina. Sorry, yeah, it's Katrina, not Katarina. Mm -hmm. uh, a popular iconic skeletal lady that has become associated with the festivities of Dia de Muertos. Her main attribute is a gorgeous hat. In the movie, the modern Mexican icon, La Catrina, and the classic icon, Lady Death, are fused in a single role of the ancient Mayan goddess of death, ruling over one of the lands of the dead. The original songs... I Love You Too Much and The Apology Song were co-written by Paul Williams. Really? According to director Jorge R. Gutierrez, when he approached Williams, the composer assumed it was because he had co-written the Oscar-nominated Rainbow Connection for the Muppet movie in 1979. Huh. And was surprised to find that it was because of Gutierrez's love for Williams' rock musical Phantom of the Paradise 1974, hmm. which I'd never heard of. Yeah. When Sasha tells Mary Beth that the story can't end like this, Mary Beth replies that this is not the end. In the Portuguese and French audio, the line is translated as 
death is not the end. Mm. Keeping so, with the plot and theme of the movie. So kind of in the same thread, it'd be like the when we get to our TAS, TAS episode of X-Men. Yeah, we get a similar thing, but it's much, much, much worse. Near the end of the film, the candle maker, voiced by Ice Cube, says, Today was a good day of the dead. Today was a good day was the title of an Ice Cube song. Mm -hmm. At one point, Skeleton Luis shouts, I immediately regret this decision, (laughs) while entering the land of the forgotten. Christina Applegate, Mary Beth, the tour guide, worked with Will Ferrell in Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Burgundy loudly whispers this exact line after entering a pit full of bears. Okay. And that's what the end of my trivia for this. Wow. What's your first like for wow. this film? Uh, my first like would be the style of the film, the the style in which they went for, because they're again, the, most likely this is coming from uh, the famous director Guillermo del Toro. Like his, no, he was the producer for this he was, anyway. He's producer, but also he had a hand in like designing and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But overall, the design of it, it's very unique. It's very different. It's got this more like marionette kind of characters and just more like just like puppets in a way, like puppet characters. Like they're being moved by strings, mm-hmm. but they're not. Uh, they've got their own life behind them. Uh, I en- that's what I enjoy most about it because it has this very unique style. It's different from other films. And I just really enjoy that. The the artistic direction and the character design and the styling of the characters. I really enjoyed that. We are of the same mind, actually. Okay. Because, yeah, my first like is also the character design. Though, specifically, I'm going to say of the story aspects of it. The story. The okay. modern day uh, wraparound story. Yes. I have other issues with that art style. I got you. But for the the the, the main the, the regular main part of the story itself, I actually mm. like the uh you said marionette. I think of it mm. more as wood toy design. Okay, fair enough. Because they are made of wood and yes. uh there's even one part where you can see uh uh what is it Carlos that plays the plays uh Manello's dad? I think so. Yeah, his design his, his uh on his shoulder you can see where part of the wood is chipped off yeah which is like okay that's a cool little detail you didn't have to do yeah and of course that's gone when he's in the land of the of the remembered or forgotten mm-hmm. or whatever the, the dead the land of the dead we'll yeah. say land of the unfor- i don't the remember forgot- which part of the land of the dead they were in yeah the land of the, the land of the forgotten they were t- i think they were in the land of the forgotten but i yeah. wasn't sure yet which honestly if you stop and think about it even though i understand why he transported where his family was. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make a lot of sense because he would be remembered. Well, no, no, no. Like, hold on, because they they go to the land of the forgotten. They go to the land of which is as far as we can tell where this fight is taking place with between Manello and all the bulls. Yeah, that's that's going on the land of forgotten. Right, but that's mm-hmm. where we he shows up when uh, he dies. No, no, no. He shows him the land of uh, remembrance. He shows him the land of remembrance, and then he goes to the land of Manello the does. Carlos, we always we see him. Oh, there. okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Carlos, okay. gotcha. standing there. You know, we see him watch. Uh, what he's going to do his best to protect the town, and then, yeah. then in the next scene, he immediately appears in in the bullfight. Uh, in the oh, that's fight. right, that's right. Uh, and so it's a little right. weird. He transports directly there. Yeah, he is technically going to be remembered. 
but uh yeah it's it's a bit odd it's that that part's a bit odd but at the same time i get why they did it that way mm-hmm. uh especially with grandma also mm-hmm. like five seconds later. that one was funny i'm sorry that one yeah, made me laugh that was funny but the, the whole but, design eh. with uh with them uh of, of the the, the the toy marionettes yes it made that made a lot of sense to me mm-hmm. and it's like okay this is a cool little art style i and it works for what this is uh i, I say it's wood i mean the skeleton heads look the, the skulls look more like pebbles yeah like stone and uh there is a bit of a different design with both la muerta and zabalba that, but it's still kind of that uh marionette's mm-hmm. toy kind of look yeah it does it's matching the toys that she is showing the yeah. telling the story with mm-hmm. so yeah I, I i liked that part or get to the art style of the wraparound story here in a minute okay well um what's your second my second light kind of goes to something you were kind of touching on a moment ago the the land the lands of the uh the forgotten and the lands of the remembrance remembered. Yeah. remembered. Uh I enjoy the concept of those because they're again they go to uh um uh, um this would be Mexican uh it's it's Mexican lore. I don't know yeah. if it's Mexico, Mexico or I, Central America. I'm assuming it's a uh of evolution of the original aztec and mayan beliefs not kind of really up I, I, I don't know the exact history of how the day of the dead thing works what i understand i assume there's also going to be catholic influence yeah there's, but... there's there's a lot of catholic influence to that and obviously the uh that celebration is more to remember the dead remember your loved ones mm-hmm. and uh and as being a uh an american being a western uh, obviously, you know, that part of the world is part of the Western world, but uh, being someone who didn't quite understand that as a child uh, and understanding more of the cultural differences between people, mm-hmm. uh, be like you, you have a respect for it at the same, at the same time in some capacities. Um, it's still a little bit odd to me, but I find it's like when you're just trying, I know there are certain ways like here in America, we remember, I know people, they go to their loved ones, families, yeah. graves uh on their anniversary or what have you keep talking i distract you i'm sorry oh, okay it's fine trying to fix this i don't want he, I, if ashley shows up i don't want her to think i ha- am trying to keep you <laughs> trying to do a poor job on your camera placement oh my gosh but uh yeah so if we're talking about you know the culture in which they're trying to portray i think it's done very well um, I may not fully understand it, but I enjoy it. I enjoy where they, they, they believe their loved ones go, um, after they die. Uh, I may disagree with it, but, uh, I enjoy the, 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 uh, the general concept of this over abundance of color and celebration, the whole mm-hmm. bit. And you get the contrast of, if the the land of remember remembering is heaven, obviously the land of forgotten is you know hell. Yeah, but then that comes the weird part because there is going to be a point where you're forgotten by every, by everyone. Yeah, on exactly. Earth, which means you're going to end up in the land of the forgotten eventually. Anyway, yeah, that is true. So anyway, yeah, it's 
yeah it's one of those things but i i'm sure celebrity apparently yeah unless you're a celebrity you'll be remembered forever just saying general santa Ana is probably still in the land of the remembered if all that were to be true because mm-hmm. <laughs> every texan remembers the guy uh-huh because it's taught in history <laughs> yes um what, what was it like an old quote would be like the those who those who are remembered are those who are, are are making into the history books something like that yeah but uh i would say for like like if you even go like generations be like you have people that it's like oh yeah i remember so and so and so and so and so but like, i don't think your your loved ones truly ever leave you i don't think it's the the idea that we should uh venerate and be like and in some people's words worship your ancestors mm-hmm. which you know I don't think the uh, the culture which they're uh, depicting does that, but but I think it's just more to to be in reverence of what who they were and what they did and that kind of stuff. I think there's a there's a healthy dose of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I just I, I enjoy the the general concept of the uh, big flashy world of the land of rem- uh, remember. And then you have the contrast of the the land of the forgotten, and I just I, I enjoy those lands. Now, Grant, I think it's done better in Coco, but that's just yeah. me. I agree with that. It is done better in Coco. It is done a whole lot better in Coco. But one difference, and, and I'll, I'll get into my next slide here in a second. But the, I think the part of the reason for that is is that Coco actually has a lot. It is. A little bit more of a dramatic story. It is. While this is more of a pure comedy. It is. I agree. I so agree. yeah. My second like for this uh was uh the bullfight at the uh in the land of the forgotten. Oh yeah, yeah. That was with, against Toro. Mm-hmm. Because first off, it starts up, it's like, oh, you've got to fight a bull. Every bull ever killed by the sanchez family that's a lot of bull mm, yeah that, that is a lot, that's of bull. a lot of bull in every <laughs> way you could that phrase means that is a lot mm, of bull that is a lot of bull so because how do you expect someone to kill that many bulls at the same time yeah, you can't and so it's a blessing in disguise that they all merge into one giant kaiju bull <laughs> so and kaiju bull I, I I get it. I get. You know it. why I, I called him that? Yes, I know why you called him that. So, and then it's it's that idea is like, okay, you got to be true to yourself. You're not going to mm. defeat this thing, yeah, by being who everyone else wants you to be. Mm-hmm. You've got to be yourself. Yes. Um, and that's how he ends up defeating. Now, admittedly, I would love to see. An actual bullfighter, uh, which I don't know if they actually do that anymore, because mm. I know it is very unpopular. Which was what surprised me uh, when we when this movie came, when I saw this movie uh, earlier in the week, mm-hmm. and this main guy is a bullfighter. Yeah, I'm like, that is very politically incorrect profession to have in this day and age <laughs> to even put in a modern movie. How are you getting away with this 20th Century Fox? Because yes, your name is Fox. But the movie studio and is a little bit more liberal than the news station. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> so I was surprised it was actually, oh yeah, we we're doing a bullfight. That's a little I could see in today's culture, that would get you canceled. Mm-hmm. 
and they do act thankfully they do and they are actually showing how this is actually very cruel to yes the animal yes which is part of the point they are very honest about it it's not like even bugs bunny where yeah bugs bunny defeats the bull but the bull still has a was able to go back to be mm-hmm. with his cow yes um and his little family of, and his little and all his little calves mm-hmm. after the end of the bullfight now this was like you've got to kill the bulls like oh you're actually going to show that you're going to be honest about it okay why are you still showing bullfighting couldn't you had him do something else i mean pixar wouldn't have done this yeah they just went ahead and had him be a musician anyway <laughs> uh and well shoemaker is what they wanted him to be but mm-hmm. anyway which is still leather, which still means the death of a cow, beside the point. <laughs> so I, I like that they actually show the fact that he's a bullfighter and are very honest with how bullfighting works. Mm-hmm. And they still have this like, yeah, he can't kill the bull. He's going to be nicer to the animals, to the, to the animal, especially since that's what his girlfriend Maria likes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, at least he understands his girlfriend far more than Joaquin does. Far more than Joaquin ever does in this right. film. He does not understand her at all. No. So this is like a very poor uh, love triangle. You, you know who Joaquin reminds me of? In a very Ooh. odd way. It's a movie that we reviewed several years ago. And I know it wasn't, we didn't be like, we reviewed it. It wasn't a very good movie. But I remember the certain, the certain scene from the movie, these two characters, they fall in love. And it's more, what was it? It's like, oh, we'll have the wedding. It's like, why do you love her? Because she's beautiful. Anything else? What is there? Like that, the whole scene yeah. from the the uh, the Swan Princess. Oh yes, yeah, that's I hated that movie. Yeah, it wasn't that great. It was, I, I enjoyed for what it was, but Jiminy's <laughs> this kind of reminded me of that. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I appreciate that and plus the animation on this whole thing especially when he goes full kaiju bowl it's like oh kaiju bowl <laughs> that is so freaking cool yeah it's i agree like, the design I, is really good I, to some degree this was that moment where i was like i wish i'd have saw this in theaters yeah because that would have been cool to see him going up against this giant bowl mm-hmm. and then of course he defeats him by singing to him yes which and it's a very heartfelt song mm-hmm yeah, I'm apologizing for everything that happened to every single one of these bulls for my entire family mm-hmm. because that's the only thing that's going to calm these bulls. And of course, she this all comes back to the phrase of music's uh, soothing the savage beast. Mm-hmm. So you've got that in there, as and but that whole sequence is like, okay, this is good, this yeah. is fun, especially <laughs> when uh, Carlos and Grandma show up. Oh yeah, that's hilarious. As because. As far as we knew, they were alive, except one when we was fairly certain was about to die, and then it was immediately confirmed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, the the bullfighting sequence at the end, I very pr- much appreciated. Yes. What's your third like? My third like... Um, <laughs> my third like would be go when, there, when we go back to the very beginning of the film, where our characters are very young, and then the, you know, quote-unquote gods are uh placing a bet who's gonna fall in love with maria yeah. who's gonna marry her which is always a very classic uh greek and roman mm-hmm. uh, uh pantheon story of the gods meddling with you the uh, mortal lives yeah and uh it's no difference in this movie uh i enjoy the point where maria and the two boys are on the they're they're departing for because she's going to 
the convent, which makes no sense later on. To me, it They're doesn't. Training her to be a lady. They're trained to be her a lady, which was fencing and like all these other stuff that just show up in the middle of this film. Anyways, yeah, um, I, I have. We'll come back to it in the dislikes, but I have a couple questions considering he sent her back to Spain. Yeah, and this is Mexico. They didn't say it was when this was, but I have a suspicion mm-hmm. this is not spain controlled mexico yeah but we'll get to that yeah if we're talking more like or like early um spain conquest of mexico maybe like it, it, it would kind of make sense if, if we'll, we're talking we'll, we'll get to that in a minute we'll talk we'll talk about that later but i i enjoy these three characters their reactions of where they they are trying to uh What's a good word for the trying to gain the affection of Maria, even yeah. though at a very young age? And it's it's a very cute scene where they were like, "Oh, be like, I always, I was, I will always, uh, always wait for you." Yeah, and be like, obviously they do wind up waiting for her, but uh, it's I I found the scene itself very cute and very memorable. And at the point where she 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 drops her bonnet and uh, what's what's the uh, the the adventures one? What's his name? Uh, Joaquin, yeah, Joaquin, yeah, Joaquin's uh, he <laughs> jumps off the side of the railroad <laughs> and goes chasing after it. I love With that his fabulous mustache, his fabulous mustache, <laughs> his fake mustache, very obviously a fake mustache, yes. It's but like- uh and then uh, Maria gives. You couldn't design him without a mustache, could you? No, no, you no. knew that was going to be something he'd have later on, but you it- needed him as a kid, and kids don't actually have mustaches, yes. <laughs> But that that entire scene I thought was very cute, is very well done, and uh, it sets up more of okay, you know, what do our characters do after this? And mm-hmm. obviously they switch to that, and be like, obviously Joaquin has become the the famous character he is now because the hero, the because hero character, because he survived so many fights. Yeah. And how do you pronounce the other guy's name? Manello. Manello. Manalo. Yeah, Manello. Manello. Yeah, Manello be like is a bullfighter who wants to be a uh, musician, mm-hmm. which is like so. It's like okay, so Coco. It's not even funny. Yeah, I was gonna say so Coco, but then I thought, wait, Coco was the great grandmother in that one. What was the kid's name? Oh, I don't. Really, they don't remember. I don't remember the movie Coco. The movie, or, Coco. The movie Coco, of course. But uh, overall, but like that entire scene where they they are saying their goodbyes to Maria's going on the train back to. Uh, to uh, Spain. Yes. The train to Spain. Spain. The train to Spain. That was a thought I had. Like, that was a thought I had. This was like, they, you can't take a train to Spain. Obviously, obviously, they're taking a train to the port where she'll get on a boat and go to Spain. Yes. But in my mind, it's like, they're never going to show her on this on a boat. She's taking the train to Spain. It doesn't matter how old the train got back all the way to Spain. Completely different continents. Thank you very much. It's, it's those weird thoughts that yeah. cross your mind. Yeah, once you're doing the review, it's like, wait a minute. How did she get to Spain then? Well, obviously, I already said how it was. Yeah. Obviously, well, they took duh, her to the yeah. port. Yes. But at the same time, in your mind, it's like, no, no. In my mind, she took the train to Spain. <laughs> the yes. train went to Spain. It didn't go to the port on the on the Mexican coast. It went to Spain. Spain. <laughs> it, it it pulled a Doc Brown's time machine train and just hopped time the time loop and went boop. The Spain. It went underwater. There we go. Past tentacles, the octopus, <laughs> and it came back up the other side. 
severely disturbing the Atlanteans we'll learn about next year. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's going to be interesting. Anyways, so, yeah. That is my, my like, the... the uh, the uh your third line yeah the the train scene i thought that was very cute and very well done and very funny uh okay <laughs> my uh my last like for this film this is just a fun movie it's it not, is it, it's not like deep dark and depressing it is teaching a lesson yes technically sure. yes but this is just a fun movie it doesn't yeah. it's not this deep dramatic thing nothing over it, serious it's nothing over serious it's like we're gonna have fun and it's very obvious considering the art style that these little toys are, you know, made mm-hmm. with when some of them it's like I don't think that's anatomically possible. Yeah, you're not kidding. <laughs> but uh this was just a, a fun movie. There was never a point here where I thought this is being too serious for what it is. Mm-hmm. And it never got so goofy that it overplayed its uh its it its bit. Yes. There were a couple parts where it's like okay, you can move on, but it was still for the most part it hit the points it needed to hit and it was it allowed itself to have fun and didn't get overly dramatic or overly goofy. It was mm-hmm. exactly what it needed to be. And it's just a fun little kids film. Mm-hmm. And I like that. It didn't feel like it had to be more than that when obviously there was going to be that much more in the script. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like that. This is just a fun kids film. Yes. So now we need to get into dislikes. Yes. Get into dislikes. And I'm going to go first on this. Okay, go for it. The wraparound story. Okay. The anim- the, the art style in wicka, that. Wicka, wicka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. The art style in the wraparound story. Granite, because La Muerta and Zabalba mm-hmm. and the Candlemaker all have to show up at, mm-hmm. at the very end of this. Yeah. I understand why they did this. However, <laughs> I wish that there had been a either a more difference in the art style or... Just make them live action, film live action, film actual kids, and and and, uh, an, an actual actress doing this part of the story, yeah, the and then have the rest of it be this animated section. I would have preferred that. I think to well, let's be honest. Norma the North character models. <laughs> You're not kidding. Oh my gosh! Uh, at first, when I was looking, I was going, okay, so this is the same art style that's used in the tw- in the in the rest of the film, yes. but instead of being made to look like wooden toys they're human they're flesh and blood versions of mm-hmm. that and then the more i watched it, no there's more differences than that this is just 3d 2d cartoons and you should have either stylized them better or just use live action mm-hmm. you would have filmed this a lot faster in live action <laughs> than it probably took to animate it and it would have done the same job if not better mm. so okay. yeah i wish the the wraparound story had been presented to us differently though i don't know how you do the uh the uh, reveal at the end that mary beth was actually la muerta the whole time yeah which i do like that as a reveal yeah yeah uh i would go this is uh let's see yeah my number one is it is a very generic it is a good but very generic story Mm -hmm. there's nothing really Oh my gosh, shocking. Nothing that is going to, uh, no big revelation. It, it's not the first time you watch Frozen and you realize, yeah. oh yeah, Hans is the bad guy. <laughs> Which, granted, I didn't catch the first time I watched Frozen. Yeah. So. 
But uh, this movie, it's so predictable. It's you know play you know play by number, play you know play A B C D, mm-hmm. and you know play it safe kind of storytelling where you're not you know doing anything like like huge. You're gonna change the mold and do something different. Uh, but it play it's a very safe story, and I really wish they would have gone in and done something a little more challenging with the story mm-hmm. because you watch this movie, it is paint by numbers, especially kind of when you're going up against. Uh, a Pixar movie with the same premise. Yeah, exactly. Basically. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, I mean, like, after, like, you've watched Coco and you watch this movie, it's like, okay, obviously Coco is a far better film, in my yeah. opinion. But uh, I think this movie is very generic, very uh, cookie cutter in a way. Mm-hmm. Be like, you know, the story beats, you know what's going to happen. There's no, but like, everything is so predictable. There's no, uh, change and variation of how they do the story because you know what's going to happen. And I really wish they would have gone in and done a be like, oh, we're 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 going to turn we're going to turn this on its heel its heel or something like that with making I don't know Maria the one who saves everything or something like that and changes that up, changes that dynamic up. But uh, overall, I think the the story is very generic. It is very forgettable mm-hmm. in that way. It's cookie cutter. And yeah, I think the story is just very bland, very generic cookie cutter story. My second dislike for this is okay. I will admit, I understand this is supposed to be basically a Mexican fairy tale. Yeah. And for a, for a fairy tale, fairy exact mm-hmm. timeline is not important. Yeah. You just need to give a feel. Mm-hmm. of the area and maybe you know reference you can reference things that from yes. the real world because mm-hmm. i mean that happened all the time in in those other stories in the regular fairy tale stories we all know and love yes i they mention that bell is in france and beauty and the beast and mentions paris mm-hmm. so that's not out of the realm of possibility but this does not know seem to know when it takes place yeah because I'm sorry. It's very obvious sometime after Mexican Revolution. They almost mention it because they mention that, uh, yeah, they talk about the bandit king, Chalca, as being who they're fighting against. Mm -hmm. But it really felt like Chalca may have been working for Spain in a way. It felt, it really felt like they were talking about the Mexican Revolution, which is where all the, the army died or, or they're getting ready to fight this war against yeah spain that maybe this just passed mm-hmm. and i'm sitting there going so uh posado general posado mm-hmm. why are you send as, as a general in the mexican army why are you sending your daughter to spain to become a lady don't you think that uh the enemy is not a good place to send your child yeah and I'm not. I'm not saying that that may not have been the best place to have her grow as a lady. I'm saying there's probably a lot closer convents you could have sent her that would have raised her as a lady, and as a. And I'm just saying that that it was. A, it's a throwaway line that's not important. Right. Admittedly, because the point is she gets on the train and is gone for, mm-hmm. you know, most of their childhood. Yeah. That's the important part yeah. of the story. Yeah. I get that, but. I'm still sitting there going, I'm sending you to Spain to the lady of perpetual 
something. I don't remember what he said. Something or another. It, yes. It's a very it's a very uh, Catholic term yes. name for a church. Lady of Perpetual. I don't remember what it is, but anyway. Um, and I get you. You're sending her off to Europe so she can become a lady, and you, of course, Spain because you're Mexico. Okay, mm. fine. But aren't, didn't you just get done with a war? With Spain, <laughs> and you, you are calling yourself Mexico. If, mm-hmm. So it's either a you're about to go to war with Spain for your for your independence, mm-hmm. or you just got done with your war from Spain. Or the part one that makes even less sense: you sent her off, then they went to war with Spain, and then she came back after everything was done, <laughs> which makes even less sense. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I don't get where it thinks it is in the time frame granted i recognize mexican fairy tale it's that important when this takes place in actual history but in my mind it's like there, there's some issues here because it doesn't make a lot of sense agreed so what's your second dislike my second dislike of this film no this will be on my third no it's your second because i went first that's right that's right that's right i got all kabuffle sorry no, 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 you're good. Uh, my second dislike. Uh, let's see, generic story. That was my first one. Mm-hmm. Second would be um, Maria learned a lot in the convents. <laughs> yes, a lot. Did. Oh my gosh! Including like, kung fu, kung fu, sword fighting, like everything you like, need. Just what to, convent. The, were you working for the Catholic Secret Service? <laughs> because to me, like it's 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 kind of weird because they should be like, oh, she she went off to the convent, but throughout the entire movie, it's more like, oh, I explored all the world. I you know did this and this and this and this. When did you have that time to be, be supposed to be becoming a nun? Not she, she you know, wasn't um, trying to become a nun. To be a lady is how they said. Yeah, it. but going so, to a convent. I get the feeling it's more of a private school okay. that's run by a, con- a convent. Okay. That's Fair my feeling. Fair enough. They didn't Fair say enough. that, but I think that's what that was implied. Oh, okay. But it's like all of a sudden Maria comes in, but like, and like every scene, there is just this be like, oh, I learned this in school. And it's like, what? When did you have time to do that? Then. After your, all your world traveling and all your reading and all of this and this and this and this for the last, what, four years? Four or five years? Was Sister Chun-Li very helpful in training you to do martial arts <laughs> in the continent? In Spain? In Spain? What was, what was Sister Chun-Li doing in Spain? <laughs> yeah, and the, I would assume probably the underneath Padre uh, Ryu. Padre Ryu. <laughs> oh yes, my god! I'm assuming she hung out in the Street Fighter world. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, but the 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 amount of help me with the the uh, a character who just automatically has these abilities for the sake of the plot. Neo. Yeah, Neo. Yeah, the Matrix. Yeah, she pulls a Neo the entire time. Be like, I know kung fu. It's like, of course you do, because. You needed a joke in this fight. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it was. But the th- the thing is, to be like with 
the matrix but like they set up where neo learns how to do kung fu yeah with this movie this it's literally like, it's like whoa i know kung fu whoa <laughs> i mean i can i can follow the train of thought here yes. because if this was a especially liberal convent <laughs> and they had like liberal studies like you know modern day colleges basically the idea is they're playing here is she went off to college and probably went through like a women's studies program or something and it that she learned tai chi or something to help center her katra or whatever <laughs> and then went back to spain or mexico oh my gosh but it's it's she has this be like she pulls these abilities out of her skirt i guess <laughs> i was really afraid where you were going with that phrase <laughs> out of hammer space anyway <laughs> okay out of hammer space or she she pulled out of her uh her extendable charm bag okay fine <laughs> But it's like everything. It's like, oh, I know how to fight with a sword because I learned this and you know, you know, my 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 schooling. And I'm like, really? Where, where was this school? Uh, what is it, a Tortuga? <laughs> Were you secretly a pirate, Maria? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! But yeah, just just a little bit of what in the world? <laughs> her 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 pulling of like special skills out of nowhere and makes it these blank these very blank statements of where she got it from it's just like it would have been great if she would have said be like i know she said be like oh be like i learned how to read i learned how to do this and this and this if she would have like made this small little dialogue of everything she did and when the scene pops up it we give we're given more if we're it's like okay we have this information she knows how to sword fight maybe people believe her and then when she pops out and can kick everybody's butt be like that would make more sense and instead of pulling it out from the ether and be like i know how to sword fight i know how to do kung fu whoa kind of thing well i mean the joke is we can't let her she, she can't protect herself she's a woman because this was how people thought back then. Yes. So obviously, oh, you need to, we need to go teach you how to be a lady and sends her off to Spain, comes back and she actually, along with knowing how to be a lady, because she does act like, she still acts like herself. Uh -huh. Yes. So she didn't really change, but now that she's. Her, her manners have become. Her manners are better. At the same time, she also learned how to kick some butt, apparently. Yes. yes. Which was probably not the general's thought process, nope. but who cares? Oh, well. My third dislike for this film. This film is short. It is very short. It feels like if you would have extended it a little bit longer, you could have done some other little cool things. Like you said, mm -hmm. that would have helped expand it and little play with it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Even though I do like that. This is obviously knows it's a kid's film and doesn't try to do a lot of. Yes. Doesn't try to overplay itself because it could have easily done that. I'm not saying that uh i i'm not being hypocritical with the statement mm -hmm. i i wish they that in the writing they had done like a little more to give some shape to the universe yes now granted it's supposed to be a story told by a quote unquote museum tour guide mm -hmm. to a bunch of children yeah i get that but you're still telling it to us you could do some more with it mm -hmm. 
actually make me make these characters feel like three dimensional characters. Cause that is the thing. All these characters are very two dimensional. Mm-hmm. It knows it's two dimensional, so it doesn't play with it. But if you would have made the characters more three dimensional, you could have made the story fuller. Yeah. Agreed. So even though I do appreciate that since it knows its characters are two dimensional, it doesn't try to do anything unearned. Right. With these characters. I wish they had earned the ability to be deep. Yeah, I agree. That's what it comes down to. So, yeah, I wish it could have done a little bit more work to be deep, but I'm also thankful it didn't try to overextend itself. True. So what's your third dislike? Uh, My third dislike, let's see. Uh, Bland story. Maria pulling everything out of the ether. And my my third dislike of this film. That's a bad point when you don't write your what yeah. you likes and dislikes that you'd be like, and then you're like, ah, uh, what was my third dislike? Do I have a third dislike? I've been there. Yeah. Um I don't know. I don't know what my third dislike is. Be like th- there, there is some good things about this film. There's some bad things about this film, but uh oh, I just remembered it popped, it came out of the ether. My third one just popped out of the ether, like Maria's uh-huh. skills all, all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opening, the opening with our, deli- our delinquent uh, kids who go to this, you know, this museum. Yes. Oh my gosh, the anime, the the care, the the shading, the the design, the art style. yeah, the art style is just so. Oh my gosh. Well, it's it's not as bad as like certain episodes we're going to review in a few minutes from TAS. But it wasn't as bad as Norm of the North. No. You could tell it was the same company. Yeah, it was It was so janky and wiry and like the uh, I'm, I'm getting uh, PTSD from watching that episode of uh, episode, mm-hmm. I think it's four or whatever from X-Men for this season. Or from season five. Oh my gosh, the shadows, the shadows. Why do they move? Uh, but uh, yeah, just the opening. The opening animation was just like, uh, did, did you do this last because you ran out of a budget? Because everything else looks great for the most part. And then you get this. I'm like, Ugh. and I granted the, the, the butt end of this film be like the characters still look jinky as all out, but geez, that looks bad. Yeah. <laughs> it looked terrible. The beginning and end of this film, except when our characters reveal themselves. Like, oh, I'm actually this character kind of thing. But uh, yeah, just the animation from in the beginning at the end was not good. I did not like it. It to me, it tasted like several groups. It was terrible. Okay. Mm. I don't get the reference. I'm sorry. <laughs> sure, it's a brilliant reference. I just don't get it. <laughs> I don't remember where I got it. I just, I've, I've heard it a thousand times when I was a kid. I just don't remember where it's from. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. So that means we need to rate re- this thing. Rate this movie. I'm giving it a seven. You're giving it a seven. Okay. It's, it's not horrible. No. It's a fun movie for what for what it is. It's a good yes. movie. Mm-hmm. I wish it was more, but for yes. what it is, it's a good movie. Yes, uh, it does a good job. It's it it's it's fine. It's it's that's the thing about this. It's, it's a serviceable fine. film. 
it is fine. It is competent. It is. Yes. I, I would not mind putting a kid in front of this film. Yeah. Letting them watch it. Yeah. So, yeah. Seven. Uh, I'm in the same boat. It's it's it has good qualities of it. It's got good animation. The beginning and the end is not good animation, except when you get the the real re- revelation of who these these tour guides are. Uh, and there's like okay, people are pulling stuff that are their uh, posterior and how they do things sometimes, and. Mm-hmm. Um, the story is kind of eh, generic, but yeah, it's, it's serviceable. It's a seven. It's worth a watch, but I probably wouldn't go watch it again. Uh, I'd probably go find Coco and watch that, but that's just me. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. Seven. All right. That brings us to the end of this review. Next week. We are going into Miyazaki month. Yes. Or studio Ghibli month yeah Miyazaki. ghibli and miyazaki Slash. either way yeah and we're starting with a movie that i have been warned is not very good which is disturbing to hear with miyazaki stuff because mm-hmm. we all know how that goes yeah we are starting next week off with uh, next miyazaki month off with tales from earth sea yeah i know really nothing about this other than the uh the fact that one uh, one of my friends told me this was not a good film and I kind of wished I could have returned it, <laughs> which is like, well, that's not comforting at all, in the slightest at all. So yeah, we're do- we're doing that one mm-hmm. next week. Yes. Uh, so join us for that. In the meantime, we are going to play some. Uh, we're going to play the intermission. Go into mm-hmm. the intermission on the other side what we've been watching, Mm -hmm. the news, and some X-Men. Help! This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest listening to Playing Games with Strangers. Playing Games with Strangers is a family-friendly, actual play D&D podcast. Well, not really D&D, but tabletop RPG, where in-voice actors get together and play tabletop role-playing games. You can listen to the adventures unfold as they roll dice, slay monsters, and have fun, all at playinggameswithstrangers.com. The Cellcast would also like to thank the following patrons. Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulJPowers.com, Edwin Gonzalez and Kiana. Uh, if you want to hear, hear your name shouted out on our show, you can donate to us on Patreon. There you'll also get some uncut episodes of the Cellcast, along with special art from Jacob, which I'm going to be posting some up later, to, later this evening. Go and get your stuff there. So, Jacob, I have a question for you. What have you been watching? What have I been watching? Jack Squat. Really? <laughs> Well, the, the only thing I've really watched was probably the episode for Star Trek Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously what we've been reviewing for this, but my week has been nuts. Let's just be, let's be okay. okay. It has been more, uh, I realized I might have uh, a little bit of issue in my apartment and I'm having a, an exterminator come over. 
to fix said problem. I'm not going to say what it is. It's nothing bad. It's just something you need to be taken care of. Considering Um, that they were doing inspections this week. Hmm. Did you find it or did they find it? No, I found it. Okay. I'm just curious. I found it and I alerted them about it and they're like, okay. Okay. So I've been sleeping on an air mattress the last week. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. I now know what you're referring to. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to have to get a new mattress? No. Okay. Well, they're going to be like, they're going to, I do not know exactly what you know, this little, as a, uh, uninvited house guest showed up at my house. I don't know what it is. It makes it sound like your brother showed up, which I don't think, actually, <laughs> I don't think you'd actually call him a pest. No, I love my brother dearly. So I know he is do. a pest, but I know you do, but it's like the way you said that's like, it's uninvited house guest. Why does it sound like, why does Jim come to mind the minute you say that? Yeah. No offense, Jim, but <laughs> that is intended at all. Yes. Uh, it's, it's been an interesting week, uh, learned some information about, uh, some people we know, uh, yeah. that, uh, uh, sadly passed away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we can say that now because the block yes. has been lifted. Um, but, uh, we, our heart goes out to the, uh, the Amesworth family for the passing of their wife and, uh, mother. mother. Uh, prayers go out to you and your family for that. Uh, other than that, it's just been a busy week. Um. Uh, uh, had a little bit of a, anyways, I'm not here to talk about my, my, uh, we're here to talk about what I've been watching, right? Yes. Uh, so I, the, the only thing I've really been watching is a bunch of YouTube at the end of the night when I get home and I'm sitting on my air mattress. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically been it the entire week. Uh, obviously yeah, listen to some, listen to some, um, podcast here and there but other than that it's just been watching youtube and watching this and uh sleeping on an air mattress all week <laughs> fun yeah fun all right what i've been watching yeah i uh, watched I, I i'm almost caught up on loki okay. i watched uh i'm up to episode three okay the which, new, new season right the new season of okay. loki season okay. two it's actually it, it's so far it's been pretty good there's a couple, there's a little bit of multiversal techno battle that will make your head spin if you're not careful. Of course. But you kind of expect that for this. And a, couple, a lot of uh, what I would call uh, jumping to conclusions that gotcha. they kind of expect you to do. But it, it, it's, it's pretty good so far. Though it does appear that, I, I get it. It's, it's a, it's its own universe. It's not necessarily, mm-hmm. uh, Earth 616 in the comic continuity. Yes. I get that. But what my understanding of Kang the Conqueror was that he was somewhat related to Mr. Fantastic. Mm. Like he was, uh, I thought he was like a descendant in the far future of him and, and uh, Invisible Woman. I cannot, why can I not think of either of these characters for normal names? <laughs> uh, what are we talking about? Sorry. I get Fantastic Four. Uh, Oh, <coughs> the which version of Fantastic Four? No, no, I'm trying to remember character names. Oh, Sue Storm. Mr. Fantastic, Sue Storm and uh, uh, her husband. Oh, Reed Richards. Reed Richards. I in my mind, Kang the Conqueror. I could be wrong about this, but I could have sworn that Kang the Conqueror was like a descendant of Reed Richards and Sue Storm, like super far in the future. Yeah, 
And that is not the case here. Ah, they kind of show that off. I mean, Grant, they still haven't shown how the Fantastic Four are going to work in this universe mm-hmm. yet, but he's definitely not from the future, though. How he's going to end up doing everything that he does is still beyond my knowledge. <laughs> Maybe they'll explain this. I don't know, but yeah, it, it's it's a pretty decent show so yeah. far. Uh. Of course, I am watching Spy Family. Yeah. The, the we got three episodes of that out now. That show is still very, very good. There are still some times where it's like, well, this could be better. Yeah. But at the same time, the fact that I still find myself uncontrollably smiling at the end of every episode. Of course. Shows this show still has what I like. So yeah. I'm still hoping this, I'm still looking forward to every episode every week. And there was another show that I watched when I was over at Chase's. He showed it to me and I'm going to have to keep watching it. I don't remember what the name of it is. Gotcha. But the, the story is, it's about a, like an adventuring party in in a fantasy setting. One of the characters is an elf, which of course means she's going to live far longer than her Mm -hmm. party members. Yes. And it actually starts with them coming home from defeating the Dark Lord. Really? Yeah. And it's about her realizing that she hadn't she doesn't really know most of her party members. So before like the uh, like literally after the opening credit sequence, yeah. They're old men. Or as old men as they can be. One of them we actually yeah. see die of old age oh. at one point. And it's like and it's just kind of this nice dark deep story look at it and yeah she's coming to the realization that she doesn't spend time in the normal world and she's taking things taking these people for granted yeah and she's given the chance to kind of make a she's kind of given a second chance with a new person that's all i'm gonna say i hadn't watched past the first episode so all i know is that what i saw was good yeah it's but it's gonna take like I'm interested to see where it goes. I hadn't watched the rest of the series yet. And I can't remember what it's called. It's like Elfling or something like that. I don't remember. But uh, yeah, other than that, Mm -hmm. and of course, Lower Decks, uh, that's about about it. Mm -hmm. So, Jacob, what do we have in the news? The Cellcast News with your host, Jacob Heron. Why, thank you, Dilet. And going into the news, uh, this is a little bit of news about uh, the new Disney Disney film Wish. Uh, this come obviously my my information comes from. Uh, animationmagazine.net if you want to go uh, look up more information about that. Um, no other studio in the world is more closely associated with wishes and dreams than the Walt Disney Animation Studios. From the moment Cinderella sang a dream a dream is a wish you make in your, you, your heart makes when, you, when you're fast asleep. Audiences around the world were taken to Taken to a place where 
where fix their eyes on the evening star while thinking in your heart's desire might just might actually come true. So it seemed so it seemed only natural that wish a movie about the power of aspirations would be a film would be the film the studio would choose to celebrate its 100th anniversary in 2023. I just thought that was a very nice quote they I found on that website. Uh, so going into a little bit more news about Adam Sandler project coming up. Uh, Netflix is inviting uh, families to a free screening of its upcoming from its upcoming animation musical comedy Leo, starring Adam Sandler, as part of a one weekend only event. On November 11th through the 12th, the studio platform will offer 300 showings at 150 locations across the United States. The pick will be available. The show will be available to be streamed on Netflix starting on November 21st. Uh, so this little bit of news that I'm about to read now uh, comes from Batman. Uh, sorry, Batman-news.com. And it was actually provided by one of our listeners, Heather, who was in the chat a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heather on our the Cell Nation private chat on Messenger. We are said to report that the actor Richard Mull has passed away mm-hmm. known for his lar- large stature and booming voice at the, at the massive height of six, eight, the actor uh, achieved fame as the kind hearted bailiff bull um, Shannon in the, in the sitcom at night court. I remember Norcott uh, night court very well. Cause it was the show that went off that was coming on mm-hmm. when we were going to bed when I was little. I watched um, a lot of it uh, right, right as uh, COVID was happening because hmm. before then I watched the news every morning. Yeah. COVID broke me of that. I, and I, I had to watch something else in the morning. Fair. And I watched Night Court. <laughs> I got you. Uh, Mole had, was a series regular of all nine seasons of uh, Night Court. Also, uh, also had uh, parts in multiple television shows and movies throughout his career. He became well known as a voice, as a voice actor whether it was whether it was the warrior Norman from Mighty Max or supporting roles such as in Freakazoid, um, Superman, the animated series, and also as most of us love and dear mm-hmm. from Harvey Dent, a.k.a. Two-Face from Batman, the animated series and Justice League. Uh, there again, thank you, Heather, for bringing that to my to my attention. And that is all I have for in the news. So on that Sad note. Why don't we talk about some X-Men? Why? Can't we just skip these episodes? Because they're terrible. But I've seen this episode of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I just play it. Previously on X-Men. Sulky, overpunky, kinda hunky, superhero, optimistic, and electrically transistored superhero, an exotically neurotic, and aquatic superheroes have arrived. X-Men, X-Men, it's the day, it's the day, it's the 
his amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. X-Men, the animated series, The Fifth Horseman. Uh, more like the, nah. First aired February 8th, 1997. Directed by Larry Houston and Fred Miller and written by Stephen Melching and David McDermott. In this episode, Fabian Cortez kidnaps Jubilee because Apoc- Apocalypse is trapped in the astral plane and needs a host body. Guest cast for this includes Lauren Kennedy as Apocalypse and Jeffrey Max Nichols as Fabian Cortez. And literally the only other two uh, actors listed on the IMDb page mm-hmm. of this episode were Jubilee and Beast. Yeah, the you're shortest list. You're <laughs> that not was, kidding. That, that was here. Trivia for this episode. Caliban is shown as the leader of the Hounds, a mutant strike force in the service of Apocalypse. They share an appearance with two unrelated groups of the Hounds after the comics, neither of which is associated with Apocalypse. Lastly, Fabian Cortez returns after being saved from the destruction of Asteroid M by Apocalypse in Sanctuary Part 2. Sanctuary! We, you know, I'm just going to say, when we reviewed the previous episodes, yes. um, Phalanx Covenant, yeah. Stormfront, right. and what was the other two-parter? Uh, Stormfront, let me get there. There was another one that was in there. Stormfront Part 2. The fi- uh, No, it's just... Is this uh, Phalanx coming to Stormfront? Yeah, I think so. Hold on. Give me a moment. Da, 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 I could have sworn da, there was another... Da, da, like a, Not a four-parter, but... Okay. Give me a moment. Let's see. Uh, Stormfront, yeah, it's the Fifth Horseman and Jubilee so, Fairy Tale Theater. So it was just it was just Stormfront and Phalanx. Yes. Okay. When we reviewed the uh, Stormfront and Phalanx Covenant, we talked about how the animation really wasn't as bad as no! everyone was saying. No, it was. Oh my gosh, this looks really and good. Then we got to this episode. Oh my gosh! Good night. My eyes are burning. What happened here? Part of this. I will admit a good portion of why this one sticks out so badly. Yes. Is the fact that every single one of the natives is painted up like their apocalypse with apocalypse lines, which makes everything stand out pretty badly. Yes. The fact that almost the animation is too fluid. <laughs> You're not for kidding. Apocalypse and pretty much every other character. Oh my gosh. But then good. Not, hey. Oh the my. the you you had these things. You say it. You you. Oh, this is the one that made you text me at like ten thirty <laughs> last night. Yeah, it says my eyes are burning. <laughs> so there again, we 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 come off Stormfront, which the animation is done very well, right? Yeah, and then we get to this oh, well one. Crap. 
It's like Fairlane's Covenant and Stormfront was what they sent to the networks for their approval on this art change. Yeah, you're not kidding. And then they probably did a couple. I'm guessing I need to. I didn't look at the the actual chronological episode right, releases. Right, right. I'm guessing a bunch of the other episodes that we already reviewed that you know chronologically yeah. fit in in season three and four must have been right after this. And now we're at the tail end of what they were making. Yeah. So if if I was Nate Marchian on Monsters on the Film Ball, I'd be pulling out Rentmaster activated. My word! The animation is so terrible in this. Like the 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 two episodes we're doing today are absolutely horrendous. For example, for example, for example, let me let me hear. Let me let me save you from watching these terrible episodes. So the the point where in the fifth horseman we have Jubilee and Beast Ur in a jeep. The animation is so bad. The shadows are moving around the characters the entire time and. I am not kidding. I am not kidding. I watched it. You literally see where it's beast. He's sitting. He's sitting there. It's it's kind of like those animatics from those really really bad um, Zelda games back in the nineties or back eighties. Those weren't animatics. <laughs> that was the actual animation on those Philips CDI games. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it reminded me of those because I remember watching some of that. I was like, oh dear lord, this is terrible. They can't make it more. Oh, they made it worse because. Uh, I kid you not, because Beast is driving in the car with his backpack on for some stupid reason. And then all of a sudden, be like, he's bopping along, talk, talk, talk. And then all of a sudden, his frame gets bigger and bigger and bigger through the entire frame of the shot. It's like, did he crunch up? Did he mutate into a bigger form of himself? And then it's worse with Jubilee. Oh, my word. This is terrible. Like, it's like Jubilee, she turns around and does this number. It's like, oh, my God, my eyes are burning. It's so terrible. Where's the Visine? It's terrible. It was so bad. The entire episode was so bad animation-wise. There was a little bit here and there when it came to, like, little bits of story. But then the animation just hit you in the face with the biggest hammer and say, hey, look, we're pretty. Oh my word! It was so. <laughs> We're gorgeous. You're gonna look at us. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was so bad, so so terrible. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like I, I, I felt like literally my entire face was burning. I was like, oh my gosh, make it stop. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, maybe the animation won't be too bad in the next episode. I was wrong. <laughs> Oh my word! The animation was so horrendous. Don't get into that one. Yet. I'm not. I'm not. But oh my word! The an- like when Apocalypse showed up. Oh my gosh! It like did he have fangs or what? <laughs> the fact that he just kind of appears. Yeah. Know, was astral half, projection. Half, astral projection. So yeah. Half phased on top of his monument to him a magnet to himself and i'm like and oh you, my you can see it him and it's like that looks horrible why did you do that plus why does he look like he's made out of silly putty <laughs> you're not kidding you're not kidding oh my gosh and the, you you go through the episode all the characters look like their, their shadows are literally dancing around their bodies like what the crap is going on here probably thinking because there were fires there were torches around there that's probably the thought process maybe but the problem was it was distracting very distracting 
oh my gosh be like you go from this very nice animation with stormfront which is done very well to this oh my gosh i'm in your face three seconds <laughs> it was so bad I was like, oh my gosh, I need to clap. I'll be like, I watched these two episodes. They're good. I'm not going to talk about Jubilee's fairy tales. Yeah, don't get it. I'm not going to yet. (laughs) Yeah, let let me let me get on another right master about that piece of crap. (laughs) Uh, But oh my gosh, it was like the the little bits here and there where uh, the the main baddie turns beast into dark beast from AOA. My word, that was so terrible. Are we supposed to assume this is the same beast? Yeah. Because he looks nothing like beast. I don't mean he's no longer fluffy. It's not <laughs> that he had the uh, the Sully from most of Monsters Incorporated, the scary <laughs> Sully that scares the crap out of Boo, right. where it's obviously the same character, but there is a difference in demeanor and how he looks and everything. This is, we redesigned the entire character for evil beast. That's like, you're not supposed to redesign the characters till the next episode. Oh my gosh! Which <sighs> technically was <sighs> the previous episode. Yes, I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> my gosh! But it's like okay, be like obviously the design they used was from Age of Apocalypse back in the nineties. Right, right. Yeah, because obviously Dark trying Beast. to change to us a, a different art style in this. Yes, especially but, in the oh next episode. My but, oh, oh my word! Oh my word! The animation was terrible. I mean, like every little bit of like cool storytelling they're trying to do is so overshadowed and so uglified by the animation. In this these episode episodes, it's not even funny. Oh my gosh! I, I wanted to, in, in some fashion or form, vomit in order to get it out of my system. It was so bad, so so bad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So, oh my gosh. As Jacob looks at the conversation I just had with Nate Marchand. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a garbage episode. You're not kidding. <laughs> it's like, you saved this goober from the exploding asteroid M5 this? <laughs> you should have let him die because he didn't last five freaking minutes. I mean, he did. He lasted till the end of the episode. We got turned into Apocalypse. We got turned into Apocalypse. With the Apocalypse, going, the big, enormous green one. Ha, 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 ha. I'm evil. And I'm sitting here going, oh, my gosh. He couldn't have played with that design a little to make him still kind of look like the other guy. You had to go full-on Apocalypse. You're just taking the fact that I that my, what I was trying to envision as female Apocalypse, if he had actually <laughs> taken over Jubilee's <laughs> body... You made that just go out the window because it's like you were just going to somehow turn that character her into a man for your body. Why? <laughs> you oh. took all the fun out of this, Saban. So here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You could have so, messed with his mess with the design a little bit. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. Make the head longer because this guy did have a very thin head. Yeah. But no, it's like. Completely rewrite his DNA somehow. Oh, but yet you still needed someone who was powerful enough. Enough. (laughs) Yeah, because you're just gonna rewrite his DNA. It could have been anybody. Obviously, it could have been anybody. Yeah, but you could have just thrown in some two-year-old baby, and it would have done the same job. 
I mean, yeah, it would not. That would have been worse. But you're a villain. You're allowed to be worse. Oh my gosh! So you didn't have to kidnap Jubilee so she could be the damsel in distress. Oh, here, here's here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. So we in our, the very beginning of the episode, we had this so-called mutant. We don't know it's a mutant or not. That is <laughs> it's escaping from the horseman or whatever they're called yes. in this one, and he gets away. And then like Jubilee and Beast show up. And uh, what what is what is the uh, the main leader of the the group that's trying Cortez? to yeah Cortez uh, not Cor- the guy that gets turned into Apocalypse no 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 he's he's henchman I don't know they're acting like we should know who the crap these people are yeah but I have never seen this guy in this Lynch. show before yeah Lynch Lynch he was not in a previous episode I know it's like we're we're supposed to believe like who's this guy and he he's he's, he's, he's from, I was like that's Jubilee I can't do this to her. Please don't let her. Uh, I'll take her place. It's like, who the crap are you, and why should I care? No, no, no. Here, here, here's the problem with that. Here's a huge problem with that. So, it'd be like, you set it up, and you have Leech. Leech. Am I saying that right? I don't know. Yeah. What are the characters? That he was is? apparently a Morlock. Yeah, he was a Morlock. I, at know, that point. I don't remember you in the sewers of were, New York. Were, were you? Were you the little kid in the last episode? No, because that Leech was green and short. <laughs> He was a kid and have a Morlock little Christmas. That's why he was able to be He was able to be healed by Wolverine's blood. Yeah. If you saved this kid just so he could get shot in this episode, <laughs> Saban, <laughs> that was the stupidest move you could have made. Oh my gosh! And then it was like this. You know this this character. He senses Jubilee's power and sees her, and obviously he knows who she is. And Colin goes over the, the go. Are you a Saiyan that you can sense energy, <laughs> and you can sense whose it is? So obviously you're sensing. Oh, that's Freeze over there. He's gonna come and kill us all. <laughs> no, no. It was like he he heard he heard her voice echoing through for somehow it's echoing and then it's like it's oh forest, I, forest be like, echo. yeah be like i be like i have found the, the the next host we must find her and then it's like you didn't recognize her voice but now you realize oh i can visually see her which she doesn't look like jubilee at all like the jubilee from the last episode mm-hmm. we saw her hair actually looked like hair not a freaking mat <laughs> not a freaking mat of just black and blue color Come on! Right. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, this was a terrible episode. Black yeah, my system. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> why don't we hit the other headache-inducing episode of this week? Hey, oh my gosh. Jubilee's Fairy Tale Theater. First aired on November 16th, 1996. That's right. This episode was previous to this one when it first aired. Why? And there's no reason these two episodes had to be switched, Disney+. Plus. You, at this point, you should have gave up caring. You really <laughs> should have. You know, I appreciate you reset, putting all this in the, the order, in chronological order for us, but by this point, just put it out there. We don't care. There's nothing that puts this episode before or after the last one. Directed by Larry Houston and Fred Miller and written by Brooks Watchell, which I double checked this because I thought after watching this, oh, this has to be written by the same freaking person who did that that fairy tale Power Rangers episode. But I looked and this is not Cheryl Saban. So thankfully that didn't happen. Guest cast. Don Franks as Sabretooth. Hmm. Tara Strong as the little girl. 
and David Himblin as Magnus the Magnificent, <laughs> a.k.a. I am Magneto, Master of Magnet. Oh. Can we get that Magneto, and please? boy, were you definitely not the Master of Magnetism a, this oh, week. Oh, my because gosh. Because you didn't even know how to not get suits of metallic armor to be attracted to you. <laughs> Trivia for this episode. Oh, gosh. Two of the peasants saved by Jubilee and her story bear the same character models and voices as her foster parents from Night of the Sentinels Part 1. The third peasant is modeled after Longshot. True. It is Longshot. Pretty much. In addition to the new opening first scene in Longshot, which must have been previous to this. Yes. Like the episode right before this. Uh, this episode features several animation and character design changes. Professor Xavier's chair, the Blackbird, Jubilee's oh, hair and clothes, gosh. as well as Tony Daniels replacing Chris Potter as the voice of Gambit. Oh, gosh. Oh, and that, I, that when I watched seen... this episode, I didn't know, realize they had changed his voice. Yeah. I thought, were you drunk when you recorded this? <laughs> this is not a Cajun accent. <laughs> this is a French accent. But here's a fun fact. This episode marks the first time ever that Jubilee's proper surname is used in dialogue, where she is referred to as Miss Lee. Yeah. Which means, I guess, they never called her before this Jubilation Lee in dialogue? Yeah. No, they just called it Jubilee. Yeah. I mean, granted, I remember in the first episode, they did the set on the Sentinels readout, it said Jubilation Lee. Yeah. But I guess I never realized they never said her name, real name out loud. No, they haven't. They only used her X-Men name. These cars, Jubilee. <sighs> oh, my God. Finally. Oh. You're going to hate this last part. Uh, fire away. This story was inspired by Uncanny X-Men number 153, titled Kitty's Fairy Tale, where Kitty Pride, a.k.a who Jubilee is taking the place of yes. because of weird copyright issues. Oh my gosh. Told a fairy tale to Liana Rasputin, AKA uh, my favorite character's little sister. Yes. <laughs> About the pirates, Captain Kitty and Colossus. Why did we not get a pirate theme? That would have made so much more sense. Though, if we hadn't had pirate theme, we would not have had, Trollverine. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. And like I said, I've seen this episode of Power Rangers. Uh, that would be, except this time we didn't have, the, the villain was not a man, a, a strangely Japanese man in tight leather armor. <laughs> my gosh. It was Magneto and what should have been Sentinels, but were Magneto Knights? Magneto Knights? Suits of armor? Yes. Were, yes. Huh? This okay, y'all. You have to realize this is basically the same concept as the movie we just got done reviewing in this episode, except worse. <laughs> Granted, I don't. I, I I get why Jubilee made herself the hero of the story. That's fine. She's telling the story to kids. Yes. And I thought as as it was getting started, I thought, oh, you're bringing in like some super cool lore that maybe these kids have never heard. You're bring using their stories, the world to these kids. Yeah. I was like, but you're doing telling the story in a way. So it's like you're telling basically 
the story of your life or your time here with the X-Men, but using a uh, fantasy yes. uh, outlook instead of real life because you can easily, better easily tell the story. Except it's horrible. It's not even a good retelling of any of the stories. It's no. Its own, it's its own original story, which is going to be fine, but there were so many times I was listening to, to her going through this and going, you really never did not think this through at all. Grant, I get it. She's making up the story as she, she goes. goes. Yes. But did the writer of this episode do that? No. No. I'm convinced they must have. They had a basic concept. Oh, they're going to be in a cave underneath the mansion. Yeah. Okay. I can let that so, go because so, this is so, New York. So, sounds like a previous episode of Lower Decks we recently did. Yeah, except better. Um, yeah, the lower decks episode was better. Yeah, I better. Mean. So they're in a cave underneath Xavier Mansion. That's apparently having an earthquake. And in New York, in New York, and there's cavens, and you're you're close enough to a source of water that it's rising and going to drown everybody. What? What is going on here? Thankfully, Storm wasn't not... there. Storm would have got her out of them all out of this a lot Heart faster. Beats. Everybody, Wolverine would have got them out of here in a Heart hurry. Oh my gosh. But Jubilee had to tell her story because she's trying to make the kids feel brave. Granted, they're not even are, telling are they... a story to these kids to keep them calm, calm yeah. in this situation. It's a great idea. Yeah, exactly. Except you can tell she still doesn't want to be there, but she has to, she's the idea is she's mm. growing into this role. Like, Oh, she can be a caretaker. She doesn't have to be doing all the cool stuff yet. I bet you in the next episode, whatever it is, she ain't going to learn that lesson. She's going to backtrack to what she was before, because you want to know why I know this. We already watched the next episode mm-hmm. present production wise or uh, in release order. The next episode was the fifth horseman. So we know she didn't, Keep that growth up because she's pretty much the same whiny brat she's been this whole show. <laughs> Granted, she's a lovable whiny brat. Yes, she is a lovable whiny brat. But the part, and admittedly, part, I don't expect her to not be a whiny brat by the end of the show because she's not Ahsoka. <laughs> she's just not that kind of character. But. <laughs> Can we not have, if you're not going to do anything cool with Jubilee, can you not give her focus episodes? Yeah. You already gave her the big one, which was how she joined the X-Men. That just was a good way to introduce you to the whole world. We really, you really didn't need her after that, except to be the kid standing character. And now you're going to have her be the, like, the viewer standing character. That's yeah. Kind of what Ju- the yes. point of Jubilee yeah, that's, that's is the in the show. We really didn't need her being like a leader of kids. Cause that, and then telling this fantasy story, it's like, what is going on? And the the thing is, get this like, off my chest, please. Go, go ahead. Talk. Oh my gosh! So that be like, she's supposed to, is she supposed to be you know touring students? Are they supposed to be mutants? As far as I can tell, they're just kids from school because she couldn't show her mutant powers around them. Yeah, it was like okay, so you have. 
that's right because they're just students from another company telling me the school that these kids are from don't know that professor charles xavier is a mutant a very powerful mutant a mutant that the television the, the building that this land is on is continually attacked by rogue mutants. They destroyed the town earlier this year. Because remember, this whole this whole series took place yeah. in just a little over a year. Yeah. They destroyed the town when Colossus was here at the beginning of the year. And Juggernaut. Yeah. Dr. Juggernaut was blowing everything up. But, they, but, but the mansion was destroyed a year ago. This is not a place for kids. <laughs> Unless they're mutants and have nowhere else to go. Yeah. But obviously they're not mutants because they're stuck in this stupid cave. Also, Wolverine and Cyclops, and I'm assuming Professor Xavier. Oh, yeah, Professor Xavier was at the end of this episode, too. They sure got back from their meeting with the president pretty fast, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Because they just left 30 minutes ago. Yeah. But granted, I admit it's probably a time jump a little bit. From New York to Washington, it's not a very long flight. <laughs> well, I'm saying there's probably, like, when they when they showed the part of them leaving, that was probably earlier in the day. Yes. This is obviously later in the day. So maybe they were already on their way back. Mm-hmm. I never said this, but I'm assuming. <laughs> and it didn't take them long to find from above ground where they were because they were using this tracker and Jubilee's palm top? Makes I can't sense. call it a phone. No, this is before they were cell phones. Yeah, tricorder would be close. Palm to pilot. Us. Palm pilot. I don't know what this was. They just said it was a communications device of some kind. Yes, or handheld computer. And I'm sitting there going, "Couldn't you have said, hey, emergency, come save these kids?'" <laughs> but we are oh. trapped in a cave. The water's rising. To quote Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, we are going to die. die! <laughs> But no, Jubilee has to tell her he's, really, he's really. Put the tracker on and hope they go. Huh? Jubilee's tracker's on. What if she's in a? Is she's in trouble right now? Hmm. Huh. Hello. <laughs> At least the animation was slightly better in this than the last one. A little bit. A little. And they did have to. Uh, part of that, uh, they did have to actually like re. Come up with new character models for the fantasy versions, especially of of uh, Wolverine. Oh, oh my gosh, Wolverine. I love Wolverine. Of course, my first thought when I saw him was like, "Oh, Wolverine's an orc," because I'm more used to seeing orcs in that color scheme than trolls. Yes, yeah, fair, but that's not what it was. So. Yeah, yeah Trollverine. Trollverine. <laughs> Best name I can come up for the guy right now. Yeah, Trollverine. And but- I'm and I'm thinking, you're telling the story. Because she's finishing the story in front of Cyclops and Jean Grey. Jean Grey, I think, is in that shot. Is she uh, before no. they, where they finish before she finishes the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the front of the in front of the school, right? Yeah, in front of the school. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. She's finishing the story for the kids, and it's like Cyclops and Jean Grey right there. And you're obviously brought them into this because they you already mentioned they were the prince and princess of this mm-hmm. or king and queen of this kingdom. And oh my gosh, you use this voice for Jean Grey? Oh my gosh, like you know, she was the Black Queen, she has a a royal voice. 
that you could have used for this. Was this even the actual normal actress for Jean Grey? Because it almost didn't sound like it her. Didn't it didn't sound, sound like her at all. Someone was talking in falsetto voice like she's a unicorn. <laughs> This is my unicorn voice. We all know this. And they're doing something like, oh, we'll make you a princess. But of course, you're going to have to learn how to do all this other stuff. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to escape. It's like, Jubilee, that's probably how you're in the position you're in because you didn't do your freaking job. You got yourself in so much trouble because you're a little whiny brat. (laughs) You are a little whiny brat. But there's a reason why the comic book car- comic book creators, when they had to come up with a use for your character, they shoved in the background until Halloween decided that you were going to get turned into a vampire by Count Dracula. As far as I know, she's still a vampire mutant. <laughs> oh my gosh. I read that somewhere. I was like, wait a minute. They turned her into a vampire? They had to do something with her because she was created for this show. Uh-huh. They had to bring it into the comics, and none of the writers at the time knew what to do with her. And so she kind of was just in the background of stuff, showed up every once in a while, and then probably was an X-Force for all I freaking know. <laughs> or the New Mutants. New Mutants was probably more closer to what she was because she would still be on Xavier's team. I don't know. I'm guessing here. This yeah, but in the 90s, yeah, Rob Liefeld was, was would not have known how to draw her with any amount of respect anyway. Gosh. You know, he's still doing stuff, right? I'm aware. <laughs> He just admires his own cup, his own. But, like, he, but here's the cool thing about that. Rob Liefeld: as much as I hate his art, he is perfectly willing to accept the mockery he gets yes. for it and plays into it because it's like, yeah, yeah, this is what I do. Yeah, exactly. So, oh my gosh. kudos to you, Rob Liefeld, yes. for being a good sport. Oh my gosh! But none of the writers knew what to do with her, so it's like, oh, we'll just turn her into a vampire. Okay. I assume she still is. Hmm. So anyway, I, I, that's what I want to happen in X-Men 97. There needs to be a Halloween episode where she gets caught by Dracula, and for a short amount of time, she is under his spell. doesn't fully get turned into a vampire because you need it for the next episode. But <laughs> do it, Disney. Have Jubilee nearly get turned into a vampire. I will pay. I'm already paying you money. Give me what I want. <laughs> Do we have anything else before we finish? Oh this? my gosh! Uh, I just, I just want to say from the chat, Heather. I, I think at this point, I'd rather be watching X Men Evolution. At this point, we knew when <laughs> we got episode. to this season that it was going to get pretty bad. Yeah, it's. I didn't know it was going to get. Should have been on Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Oh my gosh! But like you know, going back to where the beginning, well, kind of the beginning, where Jubilee is like, oh, you got to watch the kids and be like. Obviously, they're they all, like the rest of the team's leaving, and it's like, oh my word! It's like the professor's animation. It's like there again. It's like the 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 gameplay from those old uh, <laughs> Zelda games. Cutscenes, cutscenes, gameplay. Gameplay is worse, worse. <laughs> but oh my gosh, that is it so is, terrible. It is the first draft of that animation of those cutscenes. Oh my gosh, because it like. His face is all over the place, and like he's talking and going into frame, going out of frame. Like, the whole it's like, what the crap? This, this is—is is he having a Tourette seizure? You're the only one who gets to make that joke. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> next week, uh, along with Tales from Earthsea, guys, we only have four 
episodes of X-Men, the animated mm-hmm. series, left before our special review of Pride of the X-Men. Yay! And that is, uh, next week, we've got Old Soldiers and Hidden Agendas. Mm-hmm. Which, now that we know Gambit is being voiced by someone who doesn't know what a Cajun accent sounds <laughs> he's, like. He's, he's speaking French. <laughs> I said, that's actually what I'm wondering, since he was playing a rogue in, in this yeah, thing. Yeah, that's what I thought. It was just more like he's just a French character. Thief. Our thief is like, you just played him French. He's supposed to be Cajun. You can still have him be Cajun. You should have still kept him Cajun. <laughs> Either or. But yeah, join us next week for that. You got anything before we cut out of here? Oh, I need a palate cleanser. <laughs> well, <laughs> after this, we I've got you covered. Thanks. Join us next time for those things. But in the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. <laughs> you can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. I try. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox at Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterbox page at G. George 759. His Twitter at G. George 759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast, on Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming, on YouTube at Cellcast, on Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. Stosh. I think I'm gonna be sick. Yeah.